Hello. Welcome to this, The Vergecast. You are in a place of pure relaxation. This is your mind. Cutting. Hello, welcome to the Vergecast. That was a really weird intro that Paul made us do because he's just playing flute jams on his iPhone. It's called it's called Breath Flute. Is Breath the, Flute is the instrument. Hot new app called Noise. <laughs> uh, the so best is part of the Android? story is that Paul usually has his <laughs> iPhone Seven headphone dongle permanently plugged into his iPhone. Yeah, but had to remove it because the iPhone won't it's make true. any sound. It's true. It's so now the dongle is where it belongs, plugged into the headphone jack or the, the headphone plug of my headphones because you can't lose this thing. You can't. It's the most important thing. Anyway, we're not here to talk about dongles. Oh, but maybe we are. Oh, but we're going to. <laughs> maybe a little dongle talk. Anyhow, this is the Vergecast, flagship podcast of TheVerge.com, a website that is cooler than ever mm, this week. We yeah. relaunched the whole thing. We turned five. We're like little people now. We're just wandering the world wearing like regular clothes, you know. Like we're, we're we're totally potty trained as a website. Yeah, we, we kind of know what we're doing, but it's five just blow what's, it all what's the time. First grade is five kindergarten. Yeah, that's right. Five six is kindergarten. Yeah, depends on if you're an overachiever or not. We Ooh. know most of the letters Ooh. of the alphabet. <laughs> Numbers, a little fuzzy around the edges, but we're getting there. No, we're five, uh, which is uh, crazy. Actually, this podcast, I think about it, it's a bunch of people. Dieter and Paul and I all started this thing, and Dan joined us in our first year. Hey, By the Dan. way, I'm here. I'm Neil Patel. There's Paul Miller. Hello. Dieter Bone is here. Hello, hello. In the studio. Yeah. In New York. Uh, and Dan Seifert is with us as well. Hello, Dan. Hello. I'm here. Uh, so we've we've been at this for five years, which is crazy. I am going to take this opportunity on this, our flagship podcast, to talk about our own website for a while. So we relaunched the whole thing. The first thing I will say to you is that it is crazy fast. Now. Yes. Probably the number one complaint that we have ever gotten about The Verge that I get from Paul Miller all the time uh, is that it was really slow. And I, I'll just get into like a little bit of backstory. So we launched The Verge in 2011. Mobile was not the thing that it is now, which is crazy to think about. There was no, like Facebook did its earnings this week. There's a billion people who have only ever used Facebook on a phone. Yeah. That was not the state of the world in 2011 when we launched The Verge. We basically launched it for a 27-inch iMac, like that was its canonical viewing experience was a big desktop monitor. Uh, our mobile site at the time was m.theverge.com, which was uh, a cut-down version of the site. It was its own, own separate website. It wasn't responsive. Like uh, We made it in 2013. Nah. When did make it responsive? 2014. Uh, tw- no, responsive was like 2014. That, that was yeah. my biggest. When I learned about the word responsive, I was off the internet. <laughs> and people were like, oh, we're going to make The Verge responsive. I was like, yes, it's so slow. Like, no, that's not what <laughs> responsive means. We're going to make it a little Responsive bit means, check the, just, just check this out. And then you grab the corner of the browser window, <laughs> and when you slide it different yeah. sizes, it works, which is great. Which is a great idea. Yeah. So uh, anyhow, we launched it. We had apps at the beginning. Uh, we had a we had, I believe we had a Windows app at one. I mean, it was crazy. Totally fragmented experience. 2014, we made it responsive. We got rid of all the apps because apps, if you've been paying attention to the tech industry, it's very hard to break an app into anything meaningful in terms of distribution. I say if you've been paying attention to the tech industry, like in air quotes, because mm-hmm. you're listening to the show, and I'm sure you do. Um, <laughs> 
anyway, a lot of the cruft on our site was a remnant of us believing that it would be deployed to powerful desktop computers on fast connections with big screens. So there's uh, just a ton of JavaScript on the site. I will tell you right now, the thing that people are complaining about the most that we will find some affordance for to bring back is we've lost the dropdown. Yeah. It has had the article count and you clicked it and it showed you every article we published. That was just a big JavaScript thing in the corner of the site. So yeah. like, we stripped out all of that old stuff. We made the site just, it's like 50% faster in some cases. Yeah. Uh, it is just lightning fast now. But I think it's also, it looks sick on it's OLED pretty. displays. It's beautiful. It's Dude, beautiful. it looks so good on OLED displays. Uh, it, looks really, it looks really good on an OLED screen. It's, we, it also looks really good on the iPad. It look it does look great on the iPad. And I, Tablet Magazine is going to make a comeback because of our... No. Uh, uh, if you if you do miss the dropdown of the, the, the list of recent articles, we do want to bring it back. I will say that one of the things, one of the big decisions we made here, uh, especially this being a website that pays attention to the fact that more people look at the web on their phones than they do on the desktop is underneath our hero area, we are uh, committing to being really aggressive at leaving that in a reverse chronological and not pinning too many stories that breaks that reverse chronological. So uh, if you just go to the homepage and scroll down one, it's really fast. In some cases, I think it's faster than loading up that recent stories <laughs> thing. Uh, and two, like you will get uh, a rev cron there but we've heard you we are going to figure out something that we can do uh yeah later and then the other thing i'll say is uh, we think it's beautiful uh there's an entire design system and that's actually the thing that we made yeah so if you think about us redesigning the website that's the wrong frame because we are we publish to so many more places than the website for example many people consume the verge in the form of a podcast which is distinctly not a website mm. uh we publish Almost all of our videos to YouTube. We publish a whole bunch of other videos to Facebook. We publish Circuit Breaker videos on the Circuit Breaker Facebook page. In fact, we killed our video hub entirely. Yep. Because having tons and tons of video player flash video players on a series of web pages is actually not how anybody consumes video. They just go to YouTube, the world's second largest search engine, and search for videos. So all of our videos, if you click on video in our nav, it takes you straight to our YouTube page. Or if you haven't subscribed, YouTube will helpfully uh, put a pop-up in your way to make you fucking subscribe. So subscribe to our YouTube Please, page. Please do. Uh, please. But you already have. If you're listening to this podcast, you're a deep virgin nerd. You're my people. But So what we actually designed was a new design language called Pathways, uh, which maybe one of these days we'll, we'll print the entire style guide. We have this gigantic formal style guide that the design team at Fox Media made us. And Pathways is just all about using lines and colors and shapes. We have a series of distinct brand colors. We have rules for the logo. We trim the serifs off the Verge wordmark to make it better on small screens. So first we designed that. Yeah. We spent a lot of time talking about Pathways. We also had a number of other design systems in contention that all had, I would say, insane names. My favorite was Cyclical Pulse. Mm. I'm kind of sad we didn't go with that one because that one You could have just called Pathway Cyclical Pulse. No, no but they, they, they wouldn't have. Uh, nah. <laughs> it, was, it was in there. Uh, there was another one that was like Illuminated Dreams. Like crazy amazing things we picked pathways yep. we spent uh, a lot of, a lot of time discussing fonts and like neil and i've been talking about the feedback and the best thing we can say is like people love it people love that it's fast but like when people criticize it they're criticizing our like actual choices like i'm not getting any responses from anybody that's like eh, meh it's all like this is great or this is great but i'm so angry about this font and i was like yes great yeah. let's talk about that yeah they're the choices it's weird because what we do 
90% of the time on this show, on the site, in our videos, is talk about other people's products and we criticize their decisions. So when we make our own product, it's, it's, not easy. A, it's very confusing from our perspective because <laughs> we have to not be jerks in the product development meetings. And B, it's the, it's the only time really that we get the same kind of feedback that we often give to other people. I, I like the new font stuff. Yeah. Do you want to hear some super inside baseball about the fonts? Sure. So we were really tired. Our two big fonts, the sans serif was called Din Condensed, and the serif, the old headline font, was called Adele. And we were all really tired of Adele. Not Adele the singer. She's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. This is Adele with two L's. It's a chunky slab serif font. We wanted to get rid of it. It's not good on video. It's all this stuff. We want to find something new, hipper. And they went through like a thousand options. And fonts are really expensive, so like there was a lot of hacks to like download fonts locally and then ping a local. Like it was crazy to make it all work so we could test it. And finally, they're like, "Okay, we found a font. We don't want to tell you what it's called, but look at it." I'm like, oh, "This is great." They're like, "It's it's Adele Sands." <laughs> and I'm like, you could have told us any other name because <laughs> in every meeting we'd be like, "Adele sucks. Get it out of here." Wow. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Look, here's what I'll say. I think it is. We just wanted it to be faster and sleeker and louder. Anyway, that's the website. I hope you like it. I hope you like all the design. You're going to see it, particularly in video, Yeah, just get wilder and bigger and brighter. A lot of people have made like the Stranger Things reference. Uh, which is super like funny to me. Cause... It's hilarious because we were... We thought our old wordmark and a lot of our old branding was that 70s sci-fi, yeah. which is where Stranger Things lives. Yeah. Uh, so we are actively trying to like get out of it and get beyond it. I see the connection. But give us a minute. You're, we're going to pull in a totally different zone with this, with pathways, yep. with the look, with video. And then the, the we haven't even talked about the features of the website besides the speed. You're going to talk about the header. The header. It's the header. It's the, the most important thing. Yeah. Well, so there's there's three things that like you can kind of like hear the inner voice of the Verge where we we say. Uh, hilarious, strange things to ourselves and to your audience. And that that showed up historically in just the pull quotes that would show up on the front page. And if you don't follow Verge Pull Quotes, that's a great Twitter account that would aggregate those. We still have that. It appears in one place on the homepage. It's going to appear in other places very soon. Uh, and so that's pretty exciting. But the header, the thing at the top, so we've just got our logo, the new, you know, sans serif logo where we can discuss the the G in the Verge, if you want, at length. It's it's there. It's huge. Yeah. Uh, we have a dateline, which um, Neil, I can talk about, but like, it is like, it's nice to like see the date there. It says something that I think yeah. matters. And then there's a little tagline there that we can change. And we can also change the background. And so if you are a loyal Verge reader and you actually take the time to go to a homepage on your desktop, first of all, know that Nobody does that but you, and thank you. And your reward for doing that is seeing some cool imagery that we can change up whenever we feel like it, and seeing a you know a clever little tagline that sort of expresses how we feel about the day or what's going on on the planet. So right now it's uh, tag the verge uh, as we record this, and so you there's a little link there, and you can go and submit your own taglines if you want to have it up there. Uh, you can also just tweet it with that hashtag, and we'll we'll keep an eye out for those. And uh, maybe some clever joke that you make could uh, appear on the front page of theverge.com. Yeah, I think it's gonna be the most fun. Yeah, it's already been. We're already like overdoing it. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> well, with it's you. it's it's two days in. Uh, but, like, we're already overdoing it. <laughs> um, like, last night I changed it to the Back to the Future Cubs reference because the Cubs – it was just like – we're just, like, definitely overdoing it. But 
Whatever, it's new. Let's have a good time. Let's party. And then we'll calm down when we turn six. (laughs) Real grown Because six-year-olds are totally calm. (laughs) But anyway, just so everybody knows, we launched The Verge basically on the back of this podcast. Yep. That that this podcast, when Paul and I were doing it with Josh, is the Engadget podcast, was so popular that we could fucking leave, Hmm. start a new podcast. Our listeners came with us. And we were able to launch This Is My Next and then The Verge. So it's wild that we've done it for five years. I will tell you nothing about what The Verge is now is what I would have necessarily predicted five years ago. But it's been great every step of the way. And I think it's because we have such a loyal audience that cares. I think it's a lot because I love listening to everyone, even when you hate us. It's like really useful feedback. And we just want to make something that's that's great all the time for everybody. And I think we are better positioned. We are smart. We know what we're doing a little bit now. When we started in 2011, just zero idea what we were doing. (laughs) So we kind of know what we're doing a little bit. We have a great company behind us. We have a huge video team. We have all these great people who work with us who are doing crazy, surprising things all the time. I encourage everyone to go read Caitlin Tiffany's Why You Should Have a Giant Jewel-Encrusted Cell Phone Case post which is just just bonkers and hilarious and funny and smart in such an unexpected way. It was just the things we're able to, our science team is incredible. They actually, and this is like the opposite end of silly posts about jewel encrusted cell phone cases. They have been running a series of in-depth exposés of sexual harassment at the Smithsonian, and it it caused the Smithsonian to start an investigation, change its policies, and fire someone um, who was like an admitted uh, abuser of people. Like, that's... That's the balance we can strike and the range that we have. It's it's not at all what I expected our team to be able to do. It's it's a it's a greater ambition than I think that we had in 2011. But what I've learned is that there's no ambition that's too great for us. So we're going to keep going. And now we're going to talk about Google Home. Yeah. And if you have questions or feedback about the design, we're on Twitter. You know, you can find us. Almost all of you have my email address for some reason and my home phone number. <laughs> Very disturbing. Um <laughs> So please just keep giving us your feedback on the design. We're really proud of it. We are literally Dieter and I have our next meeting with the design and dev team on Monday Yep. to talk about the next set of things we're going to do. So it's not done by any means. You can you can see that it's not done in some places, yep. but I think the bones of it are great. Uh, the, the last thing actually before we move on is we should also talk about uh, Verge 2021, which is a feature series uh, put together by our features editor, Michael Zelenko. Hey, Michael, if you're listening. I hope you're listening. How's it going, man? Uh, Instead of like doing a retrospective of all the amazing things that happened over the past five years, we have gotten together a bunch of like really smart, really important people and asked them what the world is going to look like five years from today and put together uh, for a bunch of them like videos that like animate the things that they're describing, the crazy world of driverless cars and gender balanced workplaces, (laughs) both of which seem like equally unlikely, but are coming and that's really good yeah uh, and like, that's another it's great. thing it's it's the most ambitious package we've ever yeah run it's running for the full month it's like 10 total pieces and it integrates photography video design our access to these people yeah it's, it, that it's team is super fun it's really good okay everyone take a breath <sighs> okay google uh, play the verge cast damn it no <laughs> <laughs> i phone definitely i thought i had like the safe voice on but it definitely heard you um That's so the most inception-y meta thing you can do on a podcast uh, command the google home to begin playing your podcast <laughs> alexa can't do that shit
Yeah, will it resume? Can Google for, do that shit? Uh, the Google Home can play virtually any podcast because that Google has oh, a podcast. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're listening to the Vergecast on Google Home and you say, "Okay, Google, play the Vergecast," will it say, "I'm already doing it"? I'm already doing Sucker. it. Sucker. I don't know. Or will it start it over? Because or I hope it's multiple homes. Alexa, started on the buy a Google Home. <laughs> there you go. I, I think it will start it over. Yeah, right. I, I did that with songs, and while it was playing a song, and it just starts. It uh, over. All right, Dan. So you review this thing. I have one in my house. Walt has one. There's there's Google Homes floating all over the Verge team. <laughs> but you review it. Start us off. Yeah. So you know, it's impossible to talk about this thing without talking about the Echo. And this is literally Google's take on the Echo. So everything that the Echo does now. The Google Home also does. And, you know, we can get into the personal preferences between which one are, is better or not, but they're pretty close. And if you close your eyes, it's really hard to kind of tell them apart. So, uh, but so, then, of course, go ahead, Dieter. No, I was going to say, like, the fundamental question for me here it's 50 bucks cheaper than the Echo. I think it looks better. Yep. Is this thing, like, the Echo, like, I don't know how many they've sold, a bunch. Like, most people, like, if you're listening to this podcast, you know exactly what an Echo is, but is. Like the the argument Dan and I have been having for the past month is is this thing going to be really important and is everybody going to buy one and this is going to be the thing that like is a big deal and a bigger deal honestly than the the Pixel phone and yeah is is I this kind of want to say yes if they can get it into retail stores like the thing that's what one hundred thirty bucks yeah and it's going to be in like Targets and Best Buy yeah it'll be Walmart's everywhere but Amazon and, yeah. right so yeah this like this could be the most important product that Google releases like in a year they should just put it right next to the chromecast and have a little placard that says love casting things yeah because yeah. people just love <laughs> casting do you cast uh yeah no, i guess that's a good question is it going to be as big as the chromecast was yeah I, chromecast is 35 dollars and it's sold right. at walmart and yeah. it says like get free tv on it. it's like you know like it's it's the simplest way to get netflix on your tv and that's why people buy it right because you just like push the button on your phone. Dan, I think you and I disagree on a very fundamental level with this thing. Oh boy. Right, it's impo- you you're like close your eyes and it's the same and I disagree. I think it is slightly <laughs> worse than the Echo. Really? In really meaningful ways. Wow. Um and I was using it again last night and like they are they are just deeply irritating starting with the wake word. It is yeah. awful to say okay Google. Yeah, I, I give you like, that. I, I, I agree. Oh no, you got it. God damn it. It is awful to say hey Google. <laughs> Alexa is just a nicer thing to say. Yeah. So when I was shooting the 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 Pixel review, I had to say Google like 30, 40 times yeah. per minute, you know, to like get my lines. And like once you say Google more than three times in a minute, it becomes a Google. Yeah. It's like, okay. Uh, <coughs> there's something to be said it's for the, the worst. that most other assistants have a name. Yeah. There's way too much to be said of the fact that most of those names are female names and the assistants have female voices, but at least it's a person, right? Mm -hmm. Or an anthropomorphized thing. And you're having a conversation with in the form of a conversation instead of invoking a brand. I read, uh, Brian X Chen's review in the New York Times today. And he's like, to get a sense of how annoying this is, just replace Google with any other brand. And just walk around being like, okay, Pepsi. Like, you don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Like, nobody names their kid Google. And the, the irony is that, you know, the home is, of all of them, the best one to have a conversation with. Because, like, you can actually ask it follow-up questions. But every single time you ask it a follow-up question, you have to say, hey, Google, or okay, Google, which 
like totally ruins now my phone's blowing up uh <laughs> totally ruins the experience of having a conversation with this type of thing so like that's kind of why i feel like there it's like when you look at what you would use it for at home what most people use the echo for like you can we could debate the sound quality and we can debate you know a couple other things but like really people use them as speakers to play music in their home primarily and then maybe for a timer in the kitchen if you have smart lights or smart home gadgets you use them to turn on and off smart home stuff and like that's like what they all do and you can ask it basically fast uh facts but uh what i really wanted from the home and i think what a lot of people expected from the home was the fact that it's running this supposed google assistant which is supposed to be this really smart deep ai system and it's really not a great assistant in a lot of ways. And like, it's not anything more than the echo. And I think a lot of people, myself included, were expecting a lot more from Google at the outset. So like, but when you say it's not a great assistant, like on the phone, like I think that the Google assistant is better than Siri, better than Cortana, better than, you know, it's the best phone assistant, but that doesn't mean that it lives up to like what you think it ought to be capable. But the assistant on the home is not the assistant. I mean, it is the assistant on the, that's on the phone, but it's not the same capabilities, like right. basic stuff, like adding a, an appointment to my calendar. I can't do with home or setting a reminder. I can't do with home. I can't well, send messages with it. Like all the stuff that I'm used to using the assistant for on my phone, I can't use the home for. And some it of that is like because really it can't stilted. do it. And some of it's because it's only tied to like a single Google account, which right. is like, yeah, that's the other the issue. Pain. Like Google trying to do more with this than Amazon did with Alexa. Cause like nobody uses, you know, Amazon, not that there's such a thing as Amazon Keller, but like Amazon doesn't have ambitions to like tie into like no, your it, actual it personal sense. data. No one uses it, but you can connect it to a calendar and you yeah, can, you can, yeah, you can but like, like and... really they don't, that's like not the core thing that it does. Whereas Google says it is the core thing that it does, but everybody has more than one Google account. Yeah. Right. Like, or or they're in a household that has more than one Google account. Well, right. so. I have my main one, and then there's the one I use to control a botnet. Right. Great. Okay. <laughs> bring in a a botnet of IoT devices yeah. that bring down the eastern seaboard's DNS. Don't cross me. Um, <laughs> so what? You don't have a botnet Google account? That'd be great, by the way. So there's that. Like, but that's like deeper into the the capability of the software. I'm still stuck on like using the thing. So Dan was like, it's got a, it's the speaker's fine. I think the Alexa speaker, or the Echo speaker is better. Really? They're, they're bad in wildly different ways, right? So the, the Echo speaker is super tinny. And the, well, that's bad. Yeah. And the, I think the home speaker is super muddy. I, I call the home speaker soft. Like it's not as sharp sounding as the Echo. And that makes the voice response sound better to me. Like I like the voice of the Google Home better talking to me than the voice of Alexa because it's not as piercing. It is like a better voice too. Right. Dan, you didn't have any problems with the microphones. It just didn't hear me a bunch. And really? My New York apartment is not like a massive zone. Do you have bad Wi-Fi? No. Huh? I mean, because the Google know. Google only has two microphones. Alexa has right. seven. My router looks like it could invade the earth at any moment. <laughs> assuming it's pretty good Wi-Fi. I don't. It's just that little stuff. It's the Echo works because it's a great hardware product paired with like a pretty okay assistant. Right. And they've added capabilities, but very few people use those. Like Dan said, I think they use it to play music mostly, set timers. The promise of the home is that it's a slight. I think a slightly worse hardware product. Paired with theoretically a much better assistant, mm. should, they, should they made it made it more expensive so they could compete more on the hardware? Mm. What's worse about the hardware is it just the quality of the speaker? It's just little stuff. It's the quality of the speaker. I prefer the dial on the Echo to turn the volume up and down mm. instead of the touch thing. Okay, I think it could have used five additional mics, right? Like, <laughs> 
I don't know. But I mean, I, I will say aesthetically, I'd much rather have the home on my counter than an Echo. Like I, th- I, I, I never had a problem with the Echo's looks before, but then I look at it compared to the home, and I'm like, man, this is like twice as big and and too way uglier than it should be for something that like sits in the middle of my house. Yeah, yeah. The Echo definitely looks like they made a prototype out of a steel tube. Yeah, and they're like, "What if we just uh, put this knob on it?" Well, and the uh, <laughs> the little light ring at the top of the echo has gone from like being just like a thing to feeling like really like Cylon aggressive. Like when yeah. it like spins around and looks at you, love that. Oh, dude, it's it's like I I loved it at first, but it increasingly feels threatening to me. Really? Yeah, it's it's very ominous to me. I take yeah. that as a sign that it's gonna work. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like that it no. Because sometimes it doesn't work. Like sometimes your voice bounces off a wall weird and it points at the wall. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, you're just a dumb robot. <laughs> but when it, when it like looks at you, you're like, you're listening to me, buddy. Is there another technology in your life that has become increasingly menacing? I feel like typically they like menacing technology they fade yeah. into the background. That's a really good tagline so, for the Verge. So not only does like the, the, the light circle around and then stop when it points at you, but also while it's listening to you, it will like shift from side to side. Like it's scanning you. And it's yeah. like, it's, it's just a very weird thing. And like the lights on the home, I think I wrote this, that they're much more approachable and like less offensive or, or menacing looking yeah. than, than the, the ring. It is, which uh, is, I was, it's a much friendlier product. Yeah. Yes. Friendlier is the better but word. But I, I, I just don't. But nice guys finish last. I'm <laughs> so just assuming that, I mean, if you're going nice guy and you're going up against Jeff Bezos, like you're dead. <laughs> you're like, hey, Jeff. And he's like, I'm stabbing you right now. With a drone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, don't, I just, I, I feel like they, they kind of whiffed. Huh. I don't, you don't feel, Dan. I haven't used one yet, so I can't I, weigh in on I don't, this. I don't feel as negative on it. I think that like. You know, for for everyday use, I think it's fine. I haven't had the voice control issues that you've had, Eli. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I'm able to ask it to play my Discover Weekly, and it just starts playing, and I'll ask all these things. And and I've noticed that you know, I use these things a lot for controlling smart home stuff because turning lights on and off with an app is a real pain in the neck. So with Alexa. I don't know, three out of four times it works. And that one out of four times is super frustrating. So I've had a much higher hit rate with home for that kind of stuff. So that's like a better experience. Uh, but my disappointment is, like I said earlier, like Google pitched this as like this virtual personal assistant. And it's yeah. just not yet. At the, your like own personal Google. Not, that was like the whole thing. Yeah. It barely knows anything about me. I'm going to read this ad. And then I want to talk about assistant for a little bit because the most interesting thing to me here is you just reviewed the pixel which yep. is sold on the back of assistant dan just reviewed the home i think we should talk about assistant for a minute this episode of virtual brought to you by squarespace whether you need a landing page beautiful gallery professional blog online store all included with your squarespace website creating a website with squarespace is easy it's a simple intuitive process you can add and arrange your content and features with the click of a mouse you get a free custom domain. Squarespace makes adding a domain to your site simple. If you sign up for a year, you receive a free custom domain for free for a year. There's also beautiful templates. You can design a best-in-class online store with Squarespace's award-winning templates, customizable settings, and more, all without a single plugin. There's also seamless commerce tools. From nationally recognized brands to your favorite local shops, Squarespace is trusted by hundreds of thousands of savvy shop owners around the world, including all of the tools you need to track inventory, process orders, and send custom emails in one intuitive interface. Squarespace commerce allows you to understand every aspect of your business 
And probably best of all, Squarespace offers 24-7 customer support. Every member of the customer care team is an experienced Squarespace user working in a Squarespace office. So no matter how technical your problem or trivial your question, one of their team is always online to assist you. So super simple. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com. Offer code VERGE and you get 10% off your first purchase. That is squarespace.com. Offer code VERGE. You get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, set your website apart. I got to say, I'm just going to say this. Yeah. I don't, say, I don't talk about the ads a lot. Uh-huh. Squarespace has the best ad copy for me to read of all of, oh. all of, the, all of our sponsors. Thank you, Squarespace. High praise. Build it beautiful. They built it beautiful. Yeah. yeah. They built this beautiful. They wrote it, they wrote it nice. <laughs> Squarespace. <laughs> Write it nice. Write it nice. <laughs> Let's talk about Assistant. Yeah. What do you want to know? Well, so as I, you know, Dan and I were like working on this review last night, what I was asking him over and over again was, why is it different than on the Pixel? And the comparison that Dan gave me was Siri is wildly different on the Apple TV than it is on the Mac than it is on the phone. I think this is the beginning of like a huge mistake that all these companies are making. Well, so yes, you are correct. The pixel, the the assistant gets instantiated differently in Allo than it does in Google than it does than it does in Google search Google Assistant on the Pixel than it does in typed out searches on the Pixel than it does on Google Home. It does different things in all four of those places. That is a thing that I would like them to resolve over time, and I don't get super duper vexed about it. Like they'll figure it out, right? I'm not super deeply worried about that. What does worry me deeply about the assistant is it has repeated the original sin of Google since time immemorial. Since Larry Page murdered Sergey Brin, <laughs> like Cain <laughs> wow. and Abel, uh, wow. it doesn't has to wear their shoes. understand multiple accounts. Yeah, It ties to your primary Google account. If you've got a work account, it doesn't know shit about it. Yeah. And come on, every literally everybody who works at this company, all 45,000 people, however many thousand people work at Google, 100,000 people have a personal Gmail and a work Gmail. Yeah. And they all have to use Hangouts at work, and I'm so (laughs) sorry for them. Uh, They all use these products every day, and they haven't figured out, like, they've barely got it working in Chrome, where it's not the worst thing on the planet to have more than one Google account. Barely. And... They build this assistant and they still haven't resolved this original sin. Figure it out, guys. Yeah. Make a setting where it's like, okay, fine. We can only tie it to one account, but yeah, you could like cheat your work account and forward all of your information from that. I mean, the other thing. It, it, like, it's not even smart enough to see shared calendars on my personal account. Like, Which is we fun. have a shared family calendar between my wife and I, and it's on my personal account. It's literally the only thing on my personal account that has any appointments and the Google Home can't see it. So it's like, it never thinks I have any appointments. It never thinks I have anywhere to go. I just want them to finish a product. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, Google search is like a finished product. It's the thing that makes them the most money. It's really good. It works. Gmail is a finished product. YouTube is a finished product. Like, don't doesn't anyone at Google ever think like, man, our finished products kick ass. Yeah. <laughs> People love them and use them and they all generate tons of money for this us. This whole end-to-end design yeah. concept is real What if we finish the product? Well, my, my question about Google Home is like a, a lot of the answers on Google Assistant on the phone are like, Here's a cool web search. <laughs> <laughs> I heard what you were saying yeah. and I searched the web for you. Yeah, but I'll say that. So how does it do that with I Google was, Home? Uh, at um, my cousin's house last weekend, and he, he has a TV in his kitchen. He's got the nasty cable box sitting on top of the wall-mounted TV. Mm-hmm. 
and he's like, I, I've got to use all these remotes to turn on my kitchen TV. And I was like, we need to talk about this whole setup. But I can solve <laughs> this one problem and program your Verizon cable box remote to turn on your TV for you. Okay. Like, look at the remote. And I did the thing where you pull off the battery cover. It's usually the stickers there. That's like how to put it in learning mode. Yeah. A sticker. So I was like, okay, Google, how do I program a Verizon Fios remote? And it brought up the web page, but it summarized the web page for me. It did summarize. Yeah. So yeah. that's the goal. So like yeah. it brought up the card. And I was like, I looked like a genius. Right. Like I had like a robot butler from the future. And I was like, I'm not going to tell you this. So did you do page. that with your phone? <laughs> and or I tried with it with Siri. And Siri's like, here's exactly the same web result. And I was like, a click. I click it on this garbage. <laughs> <laughs> so like I, I don't mind as long as they repackage the web i'm fine for them to rely on it but they, yeah google home will actually like read that summary aloud to you so okay. it might kick off like four sentences of reading i i did some demos asking it for recipes and it would read like the steps of the recipe without telling me the ingredients i needed so i asked for how to make pumpkin pie and it never told me i needed like canned Pumpkins? pumpkin <laughs> okay <laughs> But yeah. So can I say a thing that I'm afraid of? Yeah. I, I wrote this thing, like, I guess it was a year ago about the internet bundle. Like the fact that these assistants just re return one canonical result, it's, it's what you want, but man, does it create some winners and losers? It creates a lot more losers than it creates winners. Yeah. And like, if they decide not to get it from the web and they decide to get it from their, their good friends at, you know, Foursquare or Yelp, whoever is willing to chip in a little more cash. So this is happening all over the place now with Cast, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, the new the new Google Home app that, is, they, that Cast has been renamed to is hot garbage. Yeah. It is awful. I like, played with it much. You I no longer, they, it, they, they gave up on like trying to like have shows in it mm -hmm. and that okay fine you were bad at that so you stopped trying to do it that's fine i guess instead it's just like here's a bunch of apps that support cast it's like why why would i ever open this app ever again it it is they made it from like a thing that like could potentially be useful to a thing that's utterly pointless well, i think amazon has dreams that i'll open the alexa app from time to time yeah literally have never opened that app except to but, like reset the wi-fi on my right app. yeah it's only the there way, for troubleshooting. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted. Echo Tap, that's the little one, the little Bluetooth one. Yeah. Uh, most buggy device my entire my entire life. Hmm. Wow. Just, yeah. It just, I mean, like, the, the, the big Echo is great. The little guy just constantly just loses its internet connection, hmm. but doesn't know it's lost its internet connection mm. until you talk to it. It's like, I am going to play that song off of Spotify. I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> just nothing happens. Oh. And I have to turn it all... Like, I don't know. Anyway, but no one, I don't think anyone buys that one. You were saying that the 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 evil deals are happening all over the place, and I interrupted. Oh, you. the evil deals. Uh, so Google with the Google Home, I think it's the it's it's it would be its coolest feature if it they do all the things they say they're going to do. But you can just say you can tell the Google Home like cast the Verge on YouTube to my living room TV. You know, if you have CEC all set up right, which no one does except yeah. for me because I'm a huge nerd. Uh, it'll light up. Your, it lights up my receiver. It switches the receiver input. It lights up the TV. Switches the TV input. It gets it all right, and it just starts playing, which is awesome. Yeah. Google says they're gonna like partner with Netflix and do this thing, so you could be like, play Black Mirror on the living room TV, and it'll just like start doing it. If you, they could get all the way to play whatever, play the World Series, and like light it up. But that's you got to have a deal with Google to do it. Yeah. It's not just like an open thing. It. it, it Unless Google gets the deals, which are very hard to get. Yeah, especially with Netflix, apparently. They're yeah, not, like they're Apple, not plugged Apple into uh, Apple's TV app. Um, Apple also can't get, they have single sign-on for the Apple TV. Yeah, only DirecTV and Dish are signed up for it so far as we know. And uh, 
I'm almost 100% certain that the reason they haven't got the big cable companies to do it is because Comcast would rather you download the Xfinity app yeah. on the Apple TV and use that as your primary interface. Yeah, because it's a, it, the Xfinity app is an entire all, all, whole OS you know, all on its yeah, own. It's, a, it's an operating system that yeah. runs on your iPad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, how can you trust these people? <laughs> I, I, I think that this is why it would be great Like, like if you think of like the, that old Apple commercial of like yeah. in the future there'll be this apple assistant and yeah. like you so know the knowledge navigator is that what it was yeah, called yeah oh my gosh if you think about that what you conceived of as ai in the future it was relatively personal it was probably made by a company yeah but it was personal and it was smart in a personal way it was smart about like it's not hard you know like Theoretically, Dan, it's pretty easy to access your calendar. You could like take a piece of paper and write some dates on it, and you know you'd have your information. You know, it's it's not a crazy concept that your information could be local to you and you would have access to it. It's when it has to be filtered through multiple different companies talking to each other, or just one big company talking to itself. In the case of Google, where it's 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 weird and it's harder for these artificial intelligent things or not really artificially intelligent artificial assistance yeah to access the information because they are not truly personal objects they're corporate products yeah that you kind of get a weird license to yeah what's well, weird because everything was that way before we just didn't think about it because nothing no single thing was all consuming yeah so mm -hmm. your access to television through a cable box it's just deals on deals on deals on deals but it didn't matter mm -hmm. Because once you stopped using it, you did something else. Well, but AT&T, Time Warner wasn't there to chase you around the world tracking your every move on the internet. The computer, ostensibly, the personal computer, you had your recipes. Yeah. You had your spreadsheets. You had your novel that you'll never finish and your calendar and your emails. All of those are basically text files that are local to your computer, theoretically, and searchable by one computer. And if an intelligence was local to your computer, it could work with that information. But I mean, that's that's Apple's pitch for the intelligence on the iPhone, right? I, it I, reads the emails and your contacts that are local on your iPhone and then tries to make intelligence sense out of that, right? I'm, I'm still focused on the fact that Paul just laid down some real talk that I'm never going to finish that novel. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> real the sad knowledge about navigator, that. It's actually uh, in, in the extended cut if the, at the end of the phone call when he, you know, teleconferences into the other professors. I know this video by heart, by the way. <laughs> teleconferences into the other professor's class to talk about dinosaurs. Yeah. At the end of it, he hangs up and he looks wistfully off in the distance. The knowledge navigator is like, you're never going to finish. <laughs> God damn it. It's really weird. It ends. Oh, You're just fucking super drunk and alone. <laughs> <laughs> wondering why he's a failure. They predicted everything that would happen to me. <laughs> John Scully had a really dark vision of the future when he ran out. But also true. <laughs> so right now, Assistant, yeah. it's, the, it's Google's biggest bet. Yeah. It's what they're talking they about. They named it after the company. They got Apple running scared. And Apple will literally call anything it can machine learning and AI. It's like you, when you unplug your headphones, the music stops. <gasps> Series on the case. Like, <laughs> right? Like that's the world we live in. Where's that? Is it, what's your take? It's the best, but that's not saying much right now. Dan? Yeah, agreed. Like on my phone, Assistant is far more useful than anywhere else, but it's still not. Not where I'd love it to be. Does anybody still have Tasker on their Android phones? I feel like all we've done is make voice-activated Tasker. Yeah. That. 
where you'd like you'd plug in your headphones and it would start Spotify for yeah. you. It's a deep, deep Android nerd cut from uh, Tasker. Remember, Motorola built its entire own version of Tasker. Yes, and that was like a major selling point of the Droid. Is that the one that could do like location-based stuff? Yep. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the OEMs build that stuff now. So like LG, Motorola, like you mentioned. Uh, Samsung has it. You can set location-based stuff Samsung to turn your Wi-Fi, it. Bluetooth. Yeah. It's called S-Tasker. <laughs> Stasker. <laughs> Weird. Okay, I'm going to read an ad, and then we're going to talk about the MacBook. This episode of Virtual also brought to you by Graphics Talk, a subscription-based stock media company that gives you unlimited access to over 300,000 premium photos, illustrations, vectors, and design elements that everyone can afford. You get great value with an unlimited download model. It has the largest unlimited download library of graphics, photos, vectors, images available to the creative community. Most websites charge per download, which costs as much as $30 an image, which obviously adds up quickly. But with Graphic Stock, you get unlimited downloads with your membership for an annual rate. There's no credits, no download limits, no hidden charges. And it's the same content that you'd find in the more expensive stock sites at a way cheaper price. And they're always adding new content to the library, so it stays fresh. So during a seven-day free trial, you can download 140 pieces of content, and it's only $99 for an annual subscription after that, which, do the math, less than $10 a month. Do the math. Do the math. Everything is 100% royalty-free. Even if you cancel your subscription, you get unrestricted usage rights for personal commercial projects, and you keep what you download and maintain those rights forever. So, exclusive to Vergecast listeners, sign up for a seven-day free trial today. Graphicstock.com slash Vergecast. That is graphicstock.com slash Vergecast for a free seven-day trial. All right, let's talk about this MacBook. Paul, I want you to talk about the MacBook. <clears throat> I feel like I've done nothing but talk about the MacBook. I've thought about the MacBook. Dieter has one sitting on the table here. I do. Uh, Vlad just published the review of what I am referring to as the boring one with no touch bar. <laughs> That's the one I have sitting in front of me. Touch bar ones, uh, feeling a little delayed, right? They were supposed to ship in two or three weeks. I'm seeing, seeing people whose dates are getting pushed back. But anyway, Vlad, I believe, wrote, he wrote the review of the boring one, and then he wrote a follow-up piece, which is a fascinating thing to run simultaneously with the review. Windows laptops to consider instead of a MacBook Pro. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and I know you're involved in this, so tell me, tell me what you're thinking about this, Paul. Well, I think these are the, the obvious ones. Yeah. Um, my personal thing right now is that I always want to go more pro. Yeah. In fact... I had a MacBook Air 11 inch for a long time and I was very happy with it. I actually really liked the size. And I was like, I'm a writer. All I do is write and I just write, write, write. And I don't need a big screen because if, what, what if I've got all these browser tabs, that means I'm not writing. Mm-hmm. I should be writing. I need a small screen. And I went up to a 13 inch Pro because I was like, you know what? I'm kind of a bit of a developer now doing yeah. some programming. And I wanted something more powerful to run like. Uh, Unity and Unreal Engine. I've gotten Premiere on this laptop and done a little bit of that. Yeah. But a, like a base model Pro is not that good at Unity yeah. or Unreal or Premiere. Right. And it's really, it's basically good for writing and for de- developing for sure. Yeah. And so my, my thinking was like, can Apple do something special and bring the GPU closer to the pro model people actually buy not the five thousand dollar model yeah but the maybe the two thousand dollar model with a gpu apple's like you know what people really like gpus gpus accelerate so many things almost every adobe app is gpu accelerated and so it can be super help super helpful and most of os 10 and a lot of apple's 
applications like Final Cut is super GPU dependent. That's there's a lot so much nuance there though, right? Like the Adobe acceleration doesn't work with the AMD GPUs that Apple uses. Right. So exactly. So Apple said, no, actually we're not gonna do that. Yeah. <laughs> What's well, weird that they stuck with AMD. Yeah. Everyone seems to believe that the NVIDIA cards, the mobile cards are I'm pretty well, sure well, AMD have... even knows that the NVIDIA cards are better. But do the NVIDIA cards are they are they gentle on the battery? Because NVIDIA historically not a friend yeah. to the battery. See that that's the other thing. So Nvidia's current current gen are are basically like you're looking at like twice the power draw. Like if a laptop is like twenty or thirty watt, a MacBook Pro is like twenty watts maybe. Like a, a, a like a laptop with like a an Nvidia 1060 is like sixty watts or something right. like that. So obviously Apple's probably not going to do that. But Apple just went to me in the other direction from where I'm wanting to go. I'm trending. I'm thinking about getting a thicker laptop with shorter battery life to do more pro things. And Apple made a thinner laptop. Yeah. And I just didn't need them to do that. And um, it looks beautiful. And I, I do like the new keyboard. I think the touch bar is interesting, but not really essential. Yeah. And it's just, it didn't help me. I feel like I'm a pro. I feel like I'm a pro person who uses a laptop for a job. Yeah. And the MacBook Pro doesn't help me in anything I want to do. So Dieter and I had this argument uh, 20 minutes ago. Yeah. Their naming is not helping them right now. No. At all. I think that the the one that Dieter has in front of him, the the boring one with two ports, no touch bar. Yeah. That should be the MacBook Air. Yeah, but is it's that, not an air. Harrison. Yeah, I mean this is the this is a computer they intend for air customers, but like the air should be a little bit lighter than this. It should have the wedge. Yeah. Um the to me, and this is the argument, I think that the MacBook should have been called the Air. Yeah. And this thing right here should be the MacBook. And then the Pro connotes the touch bar. Yeah. And that should have been the that that like that makes perfect sense. Yeah. There's the Air, the tiny itty bitty one. There's the MacBook, the regular one, the one that everybody gets going to get. And then there's a Pro that has the the cool weird well, touch bar thing. But the, so the only thing about that is that the MacBook famously is the, comp- the it's, that's the laptop that you get when you go to college because it's about a thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not. No. This is fifteen hundred dollars for the base model. Yeah. Without the touch bar. Yeah, the whole new family is just like priced it's way higher. Really expensive. So there's a MacBook, the- and then there's like the MacBook Pro in three different styles: boring, <laughs> touch, touch bar, and 15 inch touch bar. Right, and and that was the big thing. I mean, the 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 piece we that Vlad did of PCs to look yeah. at. Almost all of those offer superior specs for less money. Yeah, which for a while I felt like the MacBook Pro was like you know this is always typically pretty competitive. Yeah. It's not competitive right now. I mean, yeah. to me, the the big question, and like I can't answer this because I haven't used a touch bar for more than 20 minutes, is like, is Apple right? Fundamentally, the difference between those uh, those more interesting, more higher spec PCs and the MacBook Pro is they have touchscreens. Yeah. And Apple just... Not all of them. Well, the well except for the, X, the, 13, the Dell. No, and the, and the HP Spectre. The real really? Spectre, Spectre definitely is. Well, not the 13 inch, but the Spectre X360, which we have in that article. Yeah, that one. But that's like yeah. a different spec. I mean, I mean the Spectre, the like blinged out. Oh yeah, Spectre. right. But like fundamentally, Apple has gone from like being confident to being religiously sure that people do not want a touchscreen on macOS. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with them. In the current that. form of macOS, I don't want a touchscreen. 
They would have to change macOS pretty significantly to right. make a touchscreen actually useful. And like Windows did that and they screwed it up and then they did it again and they've gotten it mostly right, but they haven't gotten like developers to make apps for it yet. But the the big, big question is like all of the compromises on this thing, lack of ports, like lack of SD card slot, the processor isn't the latest, latest, the graphics card maybe isn't what people want. It's limited to 16 gigs of RAM. Like all of those compromises like are dedicated to the proposition that what you want is a thin, light, long battery life laptop and you don't want a touchscreen. Yeah. And like that's an that's actually a pretty coherent, clear set of decisions and bets. Mm-hmm. But man, I just don't know. Because if you take a if you take away some of those compromises, put the SD card slot on it, put a regular USB port on it, do something, put MagSafe back on it, then all of a sudden you're much more willing to like stick with that bet. But as soon as you have to start making those compromises, all of a sudden, it gives you a moment. It gives you a, th- a chance to go, huh, am I sure about those that I really believe in those first principles as much as Apple does? Yeah. Well, Maybe I don't. Well, and that's the thing. It, the, the sad thing is that what I actually do every day, this laptop would be wonderful for. Yep. Mm-hmm. But what I aspire to be, or I aspire to do 3D graphics and video editing and more powerful things and more interesting things. This laptop isn't going there. They're stripping it. They, they, they're telling me, Paul, you just you're, browse the internet. You're, day, you're never going to write that novel. You're that, never going to write that novel. You're never going to write that novel. They're forcing you to write the goddamn novel. You're never going to write that 3D game. graphics novel. I'm never going to write a novel. About <laughs> you're never going to make the multimedia <laughs> CD-ROM, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. man. I was, was so into that, director. Was yeah, it was director. <laughs> I, had a, I had director in the box. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, and I was going to make so much multimedia. I've authored a CD-ROM in my day. Really? It was uh, it was basically a super fancy hypercard stack. Yeah, that's all wow. they were. Yeah, the whole whole time you in our lives, it's gone, and now we can't do it. Now we can't because um, there's not enough USB ports. <laughs> <laughs> so I have this story. It's really so I have one of these two. The boring, I, the boring one. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, there's a nice 27 inch Dell monitor on my desk upstairs. 24. I don't know, it's a big Dell, monitor. and it plugs into my 15 inch Pro with a mini display port. Yeah, like you do. So Apple, they give us the review units. They give us, they literally just gave me the review units and like dongles. Just dongles like, for days. You're going to need in order for this to not be annoying. Yeah. So I go upstairs, like, take out the USB C to Thunderbolt 2 dongle they gave me, confidently plug in my monitor cable, plug it in the laptop. Fucking nothing happens. Yeah. I had to go on Apple's support site. The plugs are the same, but their Thunderbolt cable doesn't support DisplayPort. DisplayPort. You have to get a different dongle. Yeah. With the same connectors on the end uh-huh. to get mini display port. Uh-huh, like that, I, I complain a lot about this, mm. but that you're blowing it right there, right? When like the, the connector confusion is such that it's everything is the same, but everything is also different. I mean, the tragedy of this is I am really bully on USB C. I love the connector. USB-C. I think that's great. And Thunderbolt, I'm also bully for. Like the app, like Apple's. Screw you, live in the future, use dongles in the meantime, on the phone drives me crazy. On the computer, I like want to believe oh, yeah. because There's I a, want everything to use this connector. Ashley I really covered do. This Belkin Thunderbolt dock. Yeah. You just like God. plug in one cable and like the whole world opens up to you. Yeah. Like literally <laughs> yep. every connector made for the past fifty years is there in power. Like yeah. that shit's great. That's it, the dream. You it sit down at your desk. Only costs four hundred dollars. Yeah, but like fine. Yeah. Well, this is this is why I'm, blowing I'm surprised. On, like, the simplest thing. Like, did you know, for example, uh, that the right side ports 
on the, the 13 inch pro yeah. are uh dramatically less fast than the left side ports Screw who on it. earth is gonna like yep now you're saying okay pro customers we trust you to be smart enough well, to know which apple, side of the computer has apple ports. has had a laptop at some point i feel like with usb 3.0 in one of the plugs but like because like on a pc it's blue right the, the, the usb 3.0 plugs are blue but apple wouldn't do that so i think at some point it's had one plug that is usb 2 and one plug that's usb 3 i mean okay so this is why why does it apple is, uh, i heard that apple's maybe just never going to make a display again oh yeah so that's what they told us because, yeah because that that's the, the way the way you want to roll into the office is you pull out your laptop you plug in that one little cable yeah and yeah. that charges your laptop it's the display and it's obviously yeah i mean that's what i do with my macbook dog. my plain old macbook LG. it's the best right so, now i have to plug two things in so what when they I told us because i asked them uh and i tweeted this and it's like one of the most popular tweets i've ever tweeted mm -hmm. uh I was like, so you partner with LG to make this display. Are you ever making another display? And their answer was like, no, like we're not good at it. We're just gonna let LG be good at it and partner with them. So and the LG like, display, you made you make the iMac 5K. And yeah. You're really good at making displays, Apple. You're really good at it. But it's a super low volume business. Yeah. They buy the panels from LG anyway. Yeah, right. So yeah, like, it's just LG. Well. So they partner with LG. They wrote the firmware so like the brightness keys control the LG's brightness, okay. the color profiles are all, it's the whole thing, and it's got the dock. But I've seen a bunch of people point out that when you buy your computer and your monitor from Apple, if something breaks, you just go to the Apple store and fix it, Yep. and Apple isn't going to like honor LG's warranty. I mean, it's just like their move right now with these laptops, I think. There's just, I've never seen so much outcry around an Apple product, and I'm the guy who like threw a temper tantrum over the headphone jack. But the deepest Apple nerds I know are like, I don't know if I want this computer. Yeah, and we've been waiting for this computer for a thousand years. And yeah. then it comes and we're like, ah, finally, bye. And then you sit. Yeah, you canceled your pre-order. Yeah, I, I did it. I was like, oh, man, finally, I got the, the, this is what I need. I bought it. And then I sat and I was like, you know, I just don't know. Yeah. I just, I, I do not know. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm gonna end up buying the computer because I don't have any other choice. Yeah, or I'm gonna get whenever Google puts out like a sick Chromebook. Yeah, yeah. Well, I tweeted this huge mistake that Google doesn't have a, a sick Chromebook on the market right now. Yeah, huge. Also, huge mistake that Microsoft's still not that good at making an operating system. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> wow, Paul, it's the truth. Get in there, okay. Explain that one. Well, it's just what was it? I was trying to work with the the Surface Book a, a while back. And I was like, okay, this would be nice. This is an all integrated Microsoft experience. And it's just like, it just, I kept, it kept on shocking me ultimately. Like literally was, zapping you? I was actually being shocked by the Surface Book. You know, most people, including myself, I just built a PC. So most people, the problem with Windows is that it's kind of this amalgamation because it's Windows, but then you've got this NVIDIA application that kind of runs your graphics card a little bit. And then like your sound card is kind of from somebody else too. And then that, so you end up with all these different interfaces, but there's just the, 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 the operating system still just is not that slick. It's not that unified. It's, it's still not as good at fonts as Apple is. Yeah. Yeah. 
And um, and also for for developer stuff, like they've got like Bash on Windows, but I don't think it's really comparable to having actual Unix under your operating system. So then you're like, well, okay, well, I'll get a Windows laptop and I'll put Linux on it. And that story is still not really improved. It's yeah. always about Wi-Fi drivers. <laughs> um, and uh, The oldest story. <laughs> it's really, it really is. Before there was Wi-Fi, well, there was Wi-Fi driver problems. No, I read I read. On these forums, plug it in like, my parallel port, but for my printer and the Wi-Fi driver doesn't work. What is Wi-Fi? I don't even know. You read on these I forums, I just want LPD, and they're like, "We're starting to get 802.11 in pretty, pretty good." Yeah. And they're like, "Oh, but AC is out," uh, and like, "Oh, uh, uh, the worst." But Windows hardware way more interesting than Apple's PC hardware. Yeah. So, I mean, the Surface it's Studio fun. is super impressive. It's different. Dell announced basically a clone, which is my new favorite trend in PCs. Microsoft holds some big event, and they're like, we've done the most engineering. Panos Pene is like out there. He's like thumping his chest. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know what you want? You want specs. You like specs? I got all the fucking specs. And he shows you the specs, and the video plays, and it's always like dubstep Alice in Wonderland, and then you're like, ah, oh, I want that thing. And then like mm. the next day, I was like, Hugh, we also made one. It's $1,000 cheaper. <laughs> yeah. wondering. Lenovo's like, ah, oh, you like the Surface? Here's 90 Surface clones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's great. I love it. But the hardware is way more interesting. Yeah. And I, that's a weird spot for yeah. Apple to be in, where the PC design has like got, I wouldn't say up completely to parody, but the stuff is way more interesting. Well, and, the, and there's a there's a gamut. There's There's, there's, Processors for laptops that are similar to desktop class. Yeah. There's there's the the more Intel's done this really confusing thing where they've basically made their mobile class and like higher end class laptop processors both be called i7 and yeah. i5 it's instead of having an M series. And then there's you know even lower in or lower spec. There's all there is a wide range of 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 specs that people want and there's a wide range of RAM. Like uh, the RAM thing is is it's crazy to me because yes, it does draw a lot of battery to have a lot of RAM. Mm-hmm. Also, you know what? Sometimes people want a lot of RAM. Yeah. And like people <laughs> it's crazy it is crazy to say this with Apple. Obviously, this has been Apple's thing forever. We'll just make one size and pretend everybody wants it. But I don't know. I feel like there's other sizes out there and that I think can this be served is, it, by this is PC. Apple, and I, I've I've read probably more like Apple Mac web frustration with these Macs than any other Apple coverage I've read in a long time, um, because it's so interesting to me. And I think Apple is just getting used to being the the dominant player. Mm. Like they're still not ready for that role entirely. Right, they still act like the underdog a bunch. They still think like everyone's doing it wrong, but in in many cases that's true. Mm-hmm. But the turn now is like they're the dominant supplier of computing hardware and software. Yeah, to like everyone in America. Yeah, you know, it's like all like they're they're the biggest one. Right. Like they've got a they sell the most phones of any single company. Right? They oh they they're. The latest strategy analytics numbers, they're they're down to 10% market share worldwide, oh. iOS. Of Android, the OS, is, Android is 90. But of the f- uh, yeah, individual phones, single of course. Individual yeah, phones. Yeah. I, I just think they're, this, is the, this is like their little moment of reckoning where they, they have to have the more diversified product line in almost everything they do because there's more – there's just – they have more people who want different things in different places. And this idea that they can hit the sweet spot constantly – 
is just getting them in trouble mm -hmm. because the sweet spot, particularly for pros, is all over the map. And this thing you're saying, like, maybe I don't care about the battery life of this laptop. I just want it to be powerful. Yeah. You know what? The normal answer for that is, well, why don't you just get a desktop? And Apple's answer to that is, our desktop is from the Stone Age. <laughs> but, there's a hamster right. inside of it. Yeah. Right. Like, they, they got to solve that problem. Did you ever go to the, the App Store and it's like, here's a game that came out like two years ago that yeah. we bet we bet we sell a computer that runs something this good. <laughs> I'm like, like literally what computer at Apple's line? Uh, well, Mac app store takes forever to load. Let's see. Let's see. I'm going to go with categories. I'll, I'll get a good example for you guys. Just real quick. Just hold on. Nothing like shopping on the verge cast. This has been Paul's weekly feature. Wait yeah. for me to load the app store. Oh, he does gosh. it every week. <laughs> uh, okay. They got Civ six. Yeah. That makes sense. Sure, sure, it runs great. Yeah, definitely want to lock in a gaming purchase on a on the Mac App Store. Wow, that was a really harsh burn that just slid right by. Mm -hmm. Call it, of Duty Black Ops. Who's buying that Mafia Two? Ooh. Oh, Mad Max. That was the that was the game. Mad Max. It was on the cover page of the Mac App Store for thirty bucks. You can get Mad Max. This is a thirty-four gigabyte game. So that's like most of your SSD. <laughs> like literally, who buys that on the Mac? Yeah, that's what I want to know. I don't know, man. All I'm saying is, I, I'm gonna end up buying one of these because yeah. my current work computer is just—I mean, it—it it is just nuclear hot right now. Literally, the only thing that's open on is Chrome. Right. This thing is dying. I need a new computer. But. I don't have a choice. I, I, yes, you need a new computer. computer, and it will be marginally better, but it's not that much faster. Yeah. Which is frustrating. Yeah. No, I mean, I bought uh, my wife the 12-inch the MacBook. It's about as fast as the, like, 10-year-old MacBook Air replaced. Mm -hmm. yeah. What are you going to do? I, I think this notion that Apple has that you don't need that much more power, and they can right. just make it smaller, lighter, and the battery less, that is fine for one class of people. But I think another class of Like people the person who has, like, Three, three browser windows because they don't know about tabs. Is this tabs. all just Intel's fault? I mean, is that... A lot of it is Intel's fault. Like, Intel blew it with Silver Lake. Apple never used it, right? Yeah. Right? Like, the, the Surface Book had a bunch of weird problems that went somewhat underreported, but they appear to be related to Silver Lake issues. I mean, Intel's just... I mean, the they're not getting faster, faster yeah. anymore. Hmm. It's not getting... You, yeah, you at the same power level you used to get a nice leap every year year and a half is this the is this moore's law has caught up to Intel? is the uh is is the conspiracy theory that what apple wanted to do was put an arm chip on this and then at the 11th hour they decided they couldn't get it done and they went just went back uh, to intel if they do that they're going to do it on the on the, the little macbook first yeah what's the over under on apple in the next rev of this well okay three bets we haven't three. we haven't talked about touch bar at all yeah, we'll do that. I mean, we got to review. We got to touch the touch bar. It. Yeah, yeah. I think the more interesting thing right now is the controversy of the thing existing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Next week we'll talk about the touch bar thing. But five years from now, uh -huh. will the Mac have a touch screen, and we'll be writing retrospective posts about that one weird time they tried the touch bar? No. So, so what's going to happen? It's going to have a touch screen on the bottom. Well, that was you the type on the whole bottom. And, is a, is no, no. Here's what's going to happen. And the top part is not a touch screen. Here's what's going to happen. Five years from now, we're going to be saying Apple really needs to release a new MacBook. They haven't done it since the MacBook Pro the touch bar <laughs> five years ago. And iOS, the the iPad, you know, Pro Pro, it's going to be called the Pro Pro. The, the <laughs> iPad Pro Pro. good right now. 
is uh, is gonna we're gonna be you know using that, and we're like you know it just it still can't do those two things that the Mac does, and it's still not quite open enough. Yeah, let me tell you a very frustrating iOS story. You ready mm-hmm. for this? So we're updating the whole Verge design. We've got all these new icons to get. You can have a GIF as your, t- your Facebook avatar. So we're like we're gonna make the circuit breaker Facebook avatar. Uh, this like looping video thing. You can only do that for, apparently from an iPhone. This is what Helen tells me. Okay. So she sends me in Slack an MP4. Says download this, upload it to Facebook. Can't be done because I have no access to the file system. Like, oh right. Can't make that happen. Yep. I can't. There's no button in Slack to save a camera roll. Yeah. When you do it, it's the wrong. It was the wrong format for yep. the iPhone camera roll. Uh-huh. So it didn't go. It just didn't take. Yeah. I, I airdropped it to my computer and uh-huh. then airdropped it back. That didn't work. Yeah. I Googled where do airdrop files go? <laughs> Nine million search results because no one knows the goddamn answer. Just, I get it. You want us to all use that thing? That's great. You got you to gotta give me one more little bit of it's a computer. I, I feel like I haven't, I feel like maybe Apple's just already there, but I don't feel that pressure from Apple anymore that they're trying to get us all to switch to full-time iOS users. Oh, it's I I think it's coming. I yeah, think, I just like, spend read that Phil Schiller interview in the Independent where he like he's like, yeah, you don't need an SD card slot, you're fine. The other thing he said there is, <laughs> look, the iPad and iOS is the operating system where you touch the screen and interact with it, and we're going to continue to develop the metaphor there. Mm-hmm. The Mac is a place where you don't touch the screen, and we're going to have other metaphors there. And they believe that the future of computing is the iPad Pro. Like, like I, I know that it's really hard because everybody believes that Apple believes in the Mac and I do too. Like there's certain parts like the Mac team obviously does. Mm. But I think institutionally, Apple doesn't believe in the Mac anymore. They believe in the iPad. Wow, that's a bold claim. And I'm not saying, if you ask any individual person at that company, uh, all the way up to Tim Cook, they tell you that I'm a liar. But when you ask the institution of the company, the superstructure of Apple. It's just it does just, not it it it's focused on the iPad and on on the iPhone. They I just feel like they can't do that until they say, you know what, everybody at our company for the past two years has been working exclusively using iPads yeah. to make the next Well iPad. that's actually the thing I'm worried. I mean like Apple makes a lot of media. They also design things. Yeah. What and are they, they program. Using? Is Johnny Ive using like a nine year old Mac Pro? <laughs> like what what does he use every day? Probably. Richard Horwath. The maybe the maybe the problem is that Johnny Ive, the, the whole problem with this Mac is that Johnny Ive uses a MacBook Pro full time and didn't think deeply about uh, the need for an SD card slot. Well, he's an executive now. That's what I'm saying. When I said I wanted a 15 inch MacBook Pro, didn't Wait, do you mean you're an iPad Pro? You don't need that. You just Yeah, I'm them. sorry. He's using an iPad Pro. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But there's like, there's somebody at Apple who's like making the website. Yeah. No, I'm like saying. Doing the motion graphics. Yeah. Yeah. Just figuring out how to carve the aluminium. Yeah, and like that person, <laughs> presumably is just as irritated as everyone else, <laughs> right? Right. Like, what are they doing all day? Like, do they not? Don't they have like an employee feedback form? <laughs> like, please update my computer. No, I think yeah, they should. They should absolutely dog food. Like, if if Apple wants to force us all into iPad, I bet I bet the iPad Pro would become a really great computer if Apple everybody you know Apple going to be really irritating. Is it the next? iPad event when they put up like the iPad with the A10X or whatever it's going to be, mm-hmm. and they're like, it's just as fast as the MacBook Pro. Like, 
Well, because you put the shit processor in that. <laughs> when they were doing this one, they put it up and they're like, it's a billion times faster than the PowerBook 170. Like, Maybe you should compare it to a Windows laptop that costs $800. All I know is <laughs> the next the next 30 Verge casts are just going to be a, a cycle of pain because I'm going to be spending the next six months just trying out every single Windows tablet and laptop on the market. That'd be fun. Yeah, I'm going to probably do some of the same stuff all right i'm gonna read this last wait no you gotta do your gadget corner some fan paul's got a recurring segment that he calls cookie pods (laughs) (laughs) it's a lot like tortilla pods i'll admit it's a lot like tortilla pods but it's with cookies it's It's way dumber it's a curry for cookies i watched this video i have so many questions but go ahead okay chip is a smart cookie (laughs) oven it looks like a crock pot but it's really shallow It's smaller than a toaster oven, which apparently you can make cookies in a toaster oven. I literally yeah, have oh, no idea. Yeah, they're the best. Okay. Yeah. By the way, the most important part about Chip is that it's a capital P. Yeah. No, it's it's intercapped. Uh, and in the video, uh, they refer to it as a him, which is very disturbing. Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. Well. Its name is Eric Estrada. <laughs> so basically, you it can cook four cookies at once, which apparently is enough for people I don't know about that. That seems like a low number of cookies. Wait, is it is it one pod per cookie? The po- the pods I think are there they're four four packs. Yeah. It's like it's like about five dollars for four cookies. Here's a main question I have. Yeah. They never show they show the pod packaging uh-huh. and then they show the people like opening chip lid and retrieving the cookies. Yeah. They never show anyone removing the dough from the pod. Right. Because Presumably, you have to do that. I would assume. Maybe like, not. I don't how? know. How? I don't know. Yeah, it's not. You don't remove honest, the coffee from the curry it's not pod. As, it's not. Well, as, the whole point of the pod is you don't have to do it. Exactly. It is. I, it, maybe it's a misnomer to call it a curry because, yeah, in a sense. Tortilla you, pods. Would you, do you remove, do you remove the tortilla dough from the tortilla pod? No. No, no. you don't. See, that's what I'm saying. But that, right. they that's, show you That's in the, the magic of chip. It's science. <laughs> I'm guessing that you have to somehow maneuver <coughs> these four bits of dough into place. Yeah. And then, of course, you scan the barcode, obviously, and then it knows how to cook the cookies. And you can choose chewy, regular, or crunchy. Um, but and so, so pe- some people are mad about this. But <laughs> you can cook your own cookie dough if you want. I see. Wow. So really just upending the whole razors and blades models of pods. Yeah, you can make your own blades. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what you want. <laughs> you know, make your own blades. So they made a they made a really expensive easy bake oven. Yes. <laughs> With Bluetooth and QR codes. Yeah. That is, Which it, will take down the DNS of the Eastern Seaboard. It is not yet funded on Kickstarter. Oh, wait, I just I, point that side. makes we people the feel most important better. feature. Yeah. In the app, you can send one another cookie grams. Oh yeah. no. Yes, of course. So you got to make I'm it going, so going gamify. Just buy points and shit. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, they're at, they're at eight, eighteen thousand dollars pledged of their one hundred thousand dollar goal. <laughs> <No>! <laughs> Twenty-eight days to go though, so we can all turn this around. That's not depending on what kind of world we want to live. You take in. however much money you were going <laughs> to pledge this thing, and you just go buy some cookies. Okay, Google. You will end up with more cookies. Refill my cookie pot order. You could get like. You can just buy cookie dough. Oh. oh, your phone's talking. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, I gotta read. I gotta read this ad. I'm. I have to say, I'm so excited about reading this ad. All right, I've never been more excited about an ad. I'm excited. It's a little late because Halloween's gone, but just bear with me here. You ready? 
This episode of the Vergecast is brought to you by Final Scream by Lisa Jackson. What? It's every killer's favorite sound. The Final Scream. Don't miss Lisa Jackson's New York Times best-selling suspense novel. 17 years after a deliberate and violent fire destroyed her family, Cassidy Buchanan returns to her small hometown in the shadow of Oregon's Cascade Mountains. She wants closure, but instead her presence ignites a fresh nightmare. Another fire. More deaths with one common denominator. Cassidy herself. Is she the target? A suspect? Or is a killer waiting in the woods, watching the flames rage, and listening for the screams? Final Screams by Lisa Jackson is on sale now everywhere books are sold. Find out more information at www.lisajackson.com or kingsingtonbooks.com. Final Scream! Ah! <laughs> All right, I think that was it. I think we've exhausted. We barely talked about dongles. Oh, man. We really could have, but we chose not to. When we get the touch bar one, we'll get, we'll get deep into it. Yeah. Dongle life. Dongle life. My, my, it's a real hashtag. It's happening on Twitter right now. Yeah. Get it. It was one of our uh, taglines in the book. Yeah, that's my favorite one so far. I'm pretty sure I'm the one who started the dongle life hashtag. Really? Back in the day. Yeah. But then when I did the headphone jack thing, I tweeted your, your picture at the Apple event. With right. It. All right. Anyway, that's our show. It was a good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was our fifth birthday show. We're five, goddammit. How did we get here? No one knows. We just waited. <laughs> I, Literally just To be honest, me. I took a little break. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Paul's happier than everyone. (laughs) Paul's like the least stressed person I know. He's like hanging out. Anyhow, somehow we turned five. Thank you all so much for listening to this show, for reading The Verge, for watching your videos, for all the stuff you do. Uh, We love it so much. We love having you around. You can talk to all of us. We love that too. Paul is at Future Paul on Twitter. Deidre's at Backlon. I'm at Reckless. Dan is at DC Seifert. With an EI. With an EI. Uh, we're at Verge on Twitter. We're Verge on Snapchat. We're Verge on Instagram. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. We switched to YouTube because you people complain so much. And I yeah. gotta go subscribe. Get in there. And there's other stuff to listen to. Chris Plant hosts What's Tech every Tuesday. Uh, Control Alt Delete. Walt and I do that every Thursday. It was our 50th episode. This oh my week. god, that's crazy town. We've been oh. doing that show for a long time. On the recut side, Lauren Good, everyone's favorite, hosts uh, Too Embarrassed to Ask. Recently had Joanna Stern on. Recently had Joanna Stern on the show. Peter Kafka has Recode Media, which is wonderful if you're a media nerd like me. And Kara Swisher has Recode Decode, which is wonderful if you enjoy listening to Kara berate powerful people, which I think we all do. Yeah. That's it. Go to iTunes.com slash The Verge. All the shows are there. Give them five stars. Rate, review, do all the good stuff. Okay, Google, turn off The Verge cast. Rock and roll. Nice. Paul. Paul. Final scream. Ooh, to do I'm it. Not <laughs> it was a final scream. You can't have two final screams. Uh, oh my god.